Hi, everybody. Before we get into this episode, I had to let you know, like I'm literally bursting at the seams, that on March 13th, Scouts Agency is launching something major. We have been working on this for months, all with the intention to serve your business expansion and catapult your brand awareness. Now, If you want to have first access at our early bird pricing plus access to bonuses, sign up on our waitlist at scoutsagency.com slash waitlist. There will be limited spots available, so if you've been ready to go from the plateaued business owner to the visible visionary, you're going to want first access. Again, that's scoutsagency.com slash waitlist. S-C-O-U-T-S-A-G-E-N-C-Y dot com slash waitlist to sign up for first access. I'm bursting at the seams and I know I have to keep this a secret for just a couple weeks longer, so cannot wait. Okay, let's get into the episode. Scout Sobel, and welcome to the Emotional Entrepreneur Podcast, the podcast where we talk business strategy while also vulnerably connecting on emotional resilience. As the CEO and founder of Scouts Agency, a female-focused agency where we get women as guests on podcasts, and someone who has suffered from, managed, and lived with bipolar disorder, the intersection of mental health and entrepreneurship is where I find my success. If you are here, it is because you are ready to feel safe in your emotions so that you can live your life of purpose. Let's get into the inspiration, shall we? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. I am Scout Sobel, your host, and I feel as if I need to reintroduce myself a little bit, which is always exciting because... The community here at the Emotional Entrepreneur Podcast is definitely growing. We have seen some massive growth in the last couple months, ever since bringing on guests, ever since dialing in my solo musing episodes, and it feels really, really good to know that, one, you guys are resonating with this content, that what we are bringing to you on this podcast is supportive, and two, that more people are entering this space. In addition to the podcast growing, my newsletter is growing. I posted on Instagram the other day that we have an open rate of 50 to 65%, which is absolutely wild for a newsletter. The average is about 15 to 25%. So if you are signed up for my newsletter, I also just want to thank you for opening them and reading them and spending your Sundays with me. It means the absolute world. And if you are not signed up yet for my newsletter... You can go to the link in the show notes to get yourself on there. But really, with this kind of influx of newsletter subscribers and influx of community members here on this podcast, I thought it might be an opportune time to do a little reintroduction. I've been feeling the inkling to kind of do almost a whole episode reintroduction where I kind of just talk about the summary of my story just as A, a refresher, and B, an easy touch point for those who are new to the podcast. But I'll do a very quick summary here. Hello, I am Scout Sobel. I am the CEO and founder of Scouts Agency, which is a female-focused agency. We specialize in getting women as guests on podcasts. 
I started that business in February of 2019, and in three short yet also quite long years, I've grown the agency to a team of five. We just recently got our dream office in San Diego. It's got concrete walls and concrete ceilings. Last year in 2021, we represented over 40 women and booked over 300 podcast episodes, which is absolutely wild. We've been where we've had the honor of representing women like Jessica Zweig, Kat Sadler, Demona Hoffman, Vanessa Rosado, Kelly Baker, Rebecca Mingoff, Natalia Benson. It goes on and on and on. So that's where the entrepreneur part of this podcast and the brand comes from. I am also the co-host of OKSIS podcast, which I host with my sister, which really started my entire career. I started OKSIS three and a half years ago and fell in love with the podcasting medium and have ever since dived into this industry and have given everything to it. So I really have OKSIS to, to credit there. Uh, this year, or whoa, we're in 2020. Last year, I launched my debut book, The Emotional Entrepreneur, which started this entire brand, which was The Emotional Guidebook to Entrepreneurship. And that book was really inspired by the healing journey and the management journey that I have been on living with bipolar disorder. My mental illness first started flaring up at the age of 14, and at the age of 20, I was formally diagnosed. And there was a period of time in my life where I was unable to function. I couldn't hold a minimum wage job as a gelato scooper. I had to drop out of college due to the severity of my mental illness and entrepreneurship is what gave me the inspiration, the impetus, the pressure to move through my life in a successful and fulfilling way. So everything at the core of what I do is working with my emotions and not against them and really rewiring my belief as well as all of our beliefs to really embody the fact that we are safe in our emotions. So that is where this podcast comes into play. It is an extension of my book, which I launched last year and became a best-selling book on Amazon. We hit number 11 um, on Amazon for Women in Business, day one of launch. This podcast is really an extension of the impetus of the emotional and the entrepreneur aspect that when you are living a life of purpose and you are out there um, grabbing your manifestations into physical realities and putting yourself out there and starting the business of your dreams or the podcast or the agency or whatever it might be, that the emotional landscape is the landscape that we get to master, play with, and feel safe in so that we can flourish. So that is the whole impetus. That is the whole foundation of what this podcast is. And with that, I have an incredible guest today, which I think really, really beautifully ties both the emotional and the entrepreneur sides of things. We talk a lot about mental health, and then we talk about how those mental health tools can be used to transform our businesses and our identities and our daily lives as entrepreneurs. So I did a little podcast swap. This is my first podcast swap for the emotional entrepreneurs. So I had Michelle Chalfant on. She has the podcast, The Adult Chair, which I will be a guest on later this week. She drops her episodes on Thursday. So definitely after you listen to this episode, make a note to check out Michelle's podcast, The Adult Chair, 
on Thursday to hear more about me on her podcast. But today I had a beautiful conversation with Michelle around her adult chair model, which is an integrated approach that will help you recognize how all of your life experiences have shaped you and then use that awareness to regain control, discover your most authentic self and transform your life. So she has these three distinct parts, the inner child, the adolescent and the adult. And she uses this chair model as a sort of metaphor. She has the child chair, she has the adolescent chair, and she has the adult chair, which represents your highest self. And we go through each one of these chairs as well as how it relates to not only our personal development and our mental health journey and empowerment, but also how each of these chairs shows up within entrepreneurship. So who is Michelle? Michelle Shelfont is a licensed therapist, holistic life coach, author, podcaster, motivational speaker, and the developer of the adult chair, a transformational model of self-realization. Her extraordinary work has helped people all over the world get unstuck, improve their relationships, and develop healthy self-love. With over 5 million downloads in more than 150 countries, her podcast, The Adult Chair, is where simple psychology meets grounded spirituality, which if you listen to this podcast, you know I love that intersection. Michelle's audience receives practical tools and techniques they can use to access their personal power and transform their lives. Michelle brings a sense of passion and over 25 years of experience to all areas of self-healing. Sitting down and talking to Michelle was like this instant connection. We're both mental health people. We both are in the spiritual spiritual world. We both love self-realization and aligned transformation. And we literally could have talked for so many more hours. We were at the end bummed that we didn't live in the same city because we felt as if we needed a dinner and just hours and hours and hours to talk about mental health, to talk about healing, to talk about transformation. So Michelle is definitely going to really change your perspective on some things. She's going to crack you open and empower you. And if you loved this episode, don't forget to go listen to my interview on the Adult Chair Podcast. Okay, everybody, enjoy. Michelle, I am so excited to have you on the Emotional Entrepreneur Podcast. This is going to be such an informative and deep conversation around mental health and how we can all use your theory, your philosophy to aid ourselves in entrepreneurship. But before we get into the very specifics of what you preach, how are you doing today? I'm freezing, but I'm good. <laughs> to be to be perfectly honest with you, that's why I just went and made hot tea because I am so cold right now. Where are you located? I'm in North Carolina. I grew up in Rochester, New York, so in a snowbank, really, in the winters. But I moved down to North Carolina. I lived in Nashville, Tennessee for the last 13 years, came back to North Carolina. It's just been a little chilly. So I woke up and it was like, I don't know, 27 degrees, something crazy. Well, you know what? I'm in San Diego and my <laughs> husband turned the fucking heater on for whatever reason. So it's warm in my home and sunny outside. Isn't San Diego like 75 year round? Because we looked into moving there recently, honestly. Got to tell you. Okay. So you know what? It's kind of a myth that it's 75 all year oh. round. I would say that it never drops below 65. Sometimes it gets to 62 oh. and we all freak <laughs> out. 
But for the most part, it is around 70, 70, 75. But people get really concerned when they come here and it's raining or it's like very hot or it's a little cold. We're like, guys, it's not permanently 75. But for the most part, no, we do not. We don't deal with weather. There's nothing I can say that would make you think that we deal with weather. So (laughs) we deal with weather here and it's cold. And they predicted snow maybe next week. I'm like, aren't I? I just said to my sister the other day, I go, are we, did we not come further south enough? Like, Maybe we should keep going because I don't, I don't like the cold. Yeah. You should move here. I think everyone should move to San Diego. Honestly, my husband and I just talked about it about a month ago. Maybe we should go to California. Yeah. I'll be here. Okay. We could talk about the chairs in my home. In person. That would be amazing. We could do chair work in person. (laughs) Oh my God. I would love that. That sounds, oh my God, me crying probably to you, you know, obsessively. Okay. That would be okay. Let's talk about this. You, you have this brand, it's called the adult chair. You have Mm -hmm. an incredible podcast called it and you have this, you've come up with these three distinct chairs. So we're going to go through each one pretty in depth. Yeah. I'll have you explain and then we'll have a little conversation. The first chair is the child chair. Can Mm -hmm. you give us the explanation there? Absolutely. So really the adult chair is all based on three different phases of our lives. The very first phase is being a child. So we live in the child chair, quote unquote, child chair from the ages of zero to around six. And what happens during that phase of life is that we are learning all about emotions. So we're learning about things like, I'm sad, I'm happy, grandma died, so I'm in grief, you know, all of these different emotions, or I got a new doll, or I got a whatever for Christmas, my Legos, and you'll see a child get very excited. So we're learning all about emotions from that phase, during that phase. We also learn about true needs. So a true need would be, I need a hug, I need someone to tell me I'm okay. I need someone to tell me that I matter. I need someone to tell me, or if I fall off my tricycle, I need a Band-Aid. You know, I need you to tell me I'm going to be okay. So it's true needs, true emotions. We learn about intimacy here. We learn about vulnerability. We learn about spontaneity. This is where our creativity is born. You've seen kids that have done, if you remember when you're in kindergarten, who didn't do finger painting? <laughs> like we learn out about creativity in this, during this phase. We also learn about passion. So this is where all of this happens during the first six years of life. And then what happens is this child part of who we are steps deep inside of us. And then it is known as what most people know as the inner child. So we go from this child chair, then around the age of six, we move into what I call the adolescent chair. The adolescent chair is from the age of six to about 25. This is when the ego comes in. The ego is not bad. But a lot of people go, I don't want to have an ego, but the ego comes in and says, I'm an individual. I'm separate from you, but it also puts us in the place of living in the past or the future. The ego is where you will learn about masks. This is where we learn how to be someone else so that we're lovable. So if mommy and daddy come home, let's say, and they come home from work and one of them is in a bad mood, you know, as kids, we take that on and we say like, oh my gosh, it must be because of me. Let me change who I am and maybe that will put them in a good mood. So this is, we learn all of these things during this quote unquote adolescent phase. So really it's pre-adolescence, adolescence, post-adolescence. Then around the age of 25, if we had, healthy modeling, growing up, healthy, emotionally modeling, growing up, then we quite naturally slide into our healthiest adult self, which is what I call the adult chair. So when we live in the adult chair, we live with presence. We 
respond versus react. So we react in this adolescent chair. We live with compassion for self and others. We are able to witness our emotions versus getting lost in them and reacting to those emotions and raging and that kind of thing. So we are really in this executive functioning place, which is, by the way, the, that's the prefrontal cortex also comes online. So a lot of really wonderful things happen. But the key takeaway is that we had models that showed us how to do this. We set healthy boundaries. So the whole model is based on living. Our goal, again, is to live in the adult chair. It's almost like a touchstone. So then when, when we become adults, what I found is most of us get stuck in this adolescent chair, but physically speaking we're adults. So, you know, we might be, you know, 30 years old, but I don't know how to set a boundary. I'm defending against my emotions. I don't know how to take responsibility for my life. So with the whole model, you're able to look at your life and say, oh, wait, I need to be like this. Like I need to learn a healthy adult sets boundaries. I got to learn how to do that. So within the model, I teach people how to do whatever that you might need to do in order to be a healthy adult, whether it be work on triggers, set boundaries, work on self-worth and self-love and all things like that. So that's really summing it up and putting it in a nutshell of what the whole model is about. You said so many things that <laughs> like my brain is going into a million different directions. I mean, obviously, yeah. when you say if we were, if we had examples of healthy emotional boundaries or healthy emotional guidance, yeah. that part always trips me up because I for sure believe my mom says you fuck up your children one way or another, no matter what, no matter as true, healthy true. and you know, as whatever. So if anyone's listening to this, I feel as if this work uncovering the child chair is so important, mm -hmm. but I also feel as if some people don't feel as if their experiences warrant maybe a deep uncovering of how their needs and emotions weren't felt because it doesn't necessarily outwardly look like the trauma that maybe we hear people talk about. So right. the work in the child chair is so interesting to me. For me, mm -hmm. my first memories were being anxious and having anxiety and wanting to self-isolate, not wanting to be around people, wanting to be in my own little world. And when you said passion, it's where mm -hmm. writing and reading and books and my imagination started coming online. Right. So can you give a couple tips because it's been said multiple times that who's running the show is the inner child, right? Especially when we get into business and when we move into that adult chair, a lot of that route goes back to there. Can you if someone's ears are perking up and they're having memories from their child chair, what's one way we can start doing that work? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's interesting because when I used to see clients, they'd come in and I'd say, you know, what's going on? And let me just give an example. A client might say, I need, I don't have any passion in my life. Or I feel flat inside immediately. I say, let's do inner child work. Let's go because that, Ooh, okay. that inner child. Yeah. That inner child part of us in most, so for so many of us, I should say, gets almost like tucked away or buried. And we live life more from this adolescent chair, from this egoic perspective. You know, when people have the ego all messed up, by, by the way, people think of like, oh, if I'm loud and obnoxious, I have a big ego. Well, let me tell you what, the person that's a wallflower also has a big ego. It's driven by fear. I either need to protect myself or I need to be big, but I'm doing it because I'm trying to be accepted. I'm trying not to get shamed, whatever it might be. So what I hear is that, yes, we need to uncover the inner child because that part of us is trapped somewhere or we've pushed it away. We blocked ourselves off from what am I feeling? What do I need? What is my passion? So some ways to do the inner child work would be 
Number one, just ask yourself and get curious from the adult chair. We're curious. Gosh, you know, what am I feeling emotionally speaking? What is happening? You know, my mother just hung up on me. How does that make me feel? Most of the time we just move on with our day or we say, you know, screw her. I don't want to talk to her anymore. Anyway, she's being a bitch. No. What does that feel like? So we slow down from our adult. We get curious and we go, wait, what am I feeling? And we may not have an answer. We may not have a word. We might, we may not say, well, you know, I feel like I'm less than we may not even feel that, but we might feel tension in our stomach. We might feel tightness in our throat. So what we want to do is sit in those emotions, whether it be a physical or a true emotion, like I feel less than, or I feel like I'm not worthy. Or I feel like I don't matter. You sit in those things. And here's the thing. When we sit in our emotions, if we don't have a story around it, they're gone in 90 seconds. They pass through us. So people that avoid their grief. It's the judgment that we put on them. And yeah. I always say it's the fuel we add to the fire yep. that creates the sticky suffering. Yep. Yep. So that's our adolescent. The ego part of us makes up stories and assumptions. It tries to figure out the why. And from our adult, we live with fact and truth. So you know what? If you don't invite me to your holiday party or I don't get a, an invite, let's just say, instead of me making up a story like, God, Scouts, she's such a bitch. She didn't even invite me. Like, what's that about? And tell my friend and tell my mother and tell my whomever. I'm going to call you directly and be like, hey, I'm wondering, you know, everyone else got an invite. I've always gotten an invite. Is everything okay with us? I'm just curious. And you might say to me like, oh my God, did you check your spam? Oh yeah. Well, there it is. But we don't live like that. We typically go to this making up a story and assumption. So in, again, we're going to go back to the inner child, but I digressed a little bit, but the inner child work is all about feeling our emotions in one way or another. Another thing to do would be doing inner child meditations. I have two meditations on, on my website that will guide you and walk you on a journey to meet your inner child. So if you can't just close your eyes and tune in and say, hey, you know, I'd love to talk to my inner child. If nothing magically appears, sometimes it does for people, sometimes it doesn't do a guided meditation. That is another way. Okay, everyone, we're going to leave those links in the show notes to those meditations, sure. because I do believe that when I've done my inner child work, it's been directly linked to guided meditations because that is a part of ourselves that is very difficult to access on our own because it is, our memory is so beyond, you know, it's so long ago. So guided meditations I think is perfect. Mm -hmm. And feeling your emotions is something I preach all the time because mm -hmm. I believe when I work with my coach, if there's a certain emotion at the forefront and then I don't give it a story where I can just allow it to be, then I actually find where the root is and why that emotion is stemming up because of my past. Absolutely. Yep. So I feel as if I went from the adolescent chair to the adult chair and my initiation into that transition was entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. I started my agency at the age of 27, which in spiritual terms, like the Saturn return kind of uh, oh, phase. Yeah. 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 So I have found that entrepreneurship has asked me to show up to create that transition. I believe that starting your own business can be a beautiful, beautiful vehicle and framework to step into that adult chair because 
I can't be sitting here reacting all day long. Mm -hmm. I can't be sitting here making up ideas and stories in my head about why a client doesn't want to resign with me or what that means about me and my agency. Right. I need to get so emotionally resilient and create healthy boundaries around my schedule, around my social life, around my rituals in the morning, around when my clients have access to me, et cetera. And so I found and wrote my book, The Emotional Entrepreneur, because I was noticing that my business was asking me to make that transition that you so beautifully put into two chairs, which I've never really looked at it in that way. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that transition and what are some of the main things people feel called to work on that are indicators that they're moving from the adolescent chair to the adult chair? Yeah, for sure. Are you speaking in business or just in general? How do I know that I go from my adolescent to my adult? Let's say in general, and then we can tie it into business because I think that business is literally just a mirror for your personal development and your emotions. So they're so intertwined, but let's go general and then we can talk more specifically about business. Perfect. And I agree with you on that for sure. Yeah. So here's the thing, the adult chair, when I'm living in my adult chair, it doesn't mean that I'm all zenned out and I'm in, in, you know, and I'm sitting here meditating every day, you know, that, that can look like I'm in my adult But the key thing with our adult is that we are living with presence and I'm mindful of what I'm saying, of what I'm doing. If I don't like how my life is, I'm going to take some action and I'm going to move into that new life. So how do we go from adolescent to adult? Again, I'm going to work on mindfulness. I'm going to start asking. This is something that people have reflected back to me for so many years. They said to me, when I started asking myself, is this fact and truth or is it story and assumption that changes people's lives? Cause that pulls you right into the adult chair. It's like, cause our adult only lives with fact and truth. So whether it be, you know, is this a story that, that I'm making up around blah, blah. Well, let me ask myself, is it a hundred percent fact and truth? If it's not a hundred percent fact and truth, you have to abandon that whole idea and starting to live with fact and truth really gets us in this adult perspective. It helps us to live with more consciousness, with more presence, asking yourself, like we just said, what are my emotions around this? What is my emotion right now? When I do that, I am connecting my adult. I'm envisioning I have three chairs, the adult, the adolescent and the child right now, but I'm connecting adult to child chair. And the only part of us that would ever connect into our emotions is our adult. So by even asking myself, what am I feeling emotion or what are my needs right now? Boom, I'm bringing in that adult energy. So those are some quick, quick ways to get into my adult. Changing your physical state. I remember one time I was getting really overwhelmed with something. It might've been with my kids. I can't even remember what it was, but I was in the kitchen cooking dinner and I was like, I need to take a breath. So taking a slow breath can change your state, but I just said, I got to move to the other side of the room. And I moved to from the kitchen to the family room. And I stopped my feet, not in a temper tantrum way, but I just said, I'm letting go of all this energy. I'm letting it go. I'm letting it go. I'm getting present. And I stopped my way all of the way to the family room. And I got there and I was like, deep breath. I'm like, Ooh, I'm clear. And everything I was thinking about shifted and my whole physical state felt different, but I had to move myself into another room. So that would be another way. So the key is though, to get into a place of presence, you can do some mindfulness work. Again, you can do a a meditation, but for me, if I'm in the middle of doing something like cooking dinner, I'm not going to drop into a meditation, but I can stop my way into another room and change my state. So this is so perfect because I'm reading 
Dr. Joe Dispenza's work, Becoming Supernatural, mm. and he talks a lot about how our thoughts and our emotions are really either living in the past or the future. Yep. And I have found that I am at my clearest, at my most focused and my most authentic when I'm in the present moment. And so it's just this act of recognizing your emotions and your thoughts are either in the past or the present potentially identifying that as the ego. I understand the ego, but I'm not the most well-versed as far as talking about it. And so that's where I kind of want to go next because I feel as if I now can identify in my business when I Mm -hmm. am in my ego. I can say, oh, I'm afraid that I won't hit revenue projections. What does that mean? Okay, well, if I don't hit revenue projections, my ego is flaring up because it's afraid my business will shut down. What does that mean if my business shut down? That means I'm not living my dream anymore and it's being taken away from me. So I get, my ego will flare up around scarcity, which I've worked on so much with my money mindset. But can you talk about a few ways that the ego, which we, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, is in the adolescent chair, yes. can come in and bulldoze your business? Yeah, for sure. And each thing that you just said was perfect. And I would have asked you, is that true? Is that 100% true? Is that true? I would add that question to every single thing that you just said, and it will start shifting your state again and put you back in that adult. Oh my God, wait, just like real quick, really powerful. If I, let's put, let's use me as an example. Yeah, yeah. I'm in a state of fear. Okay, everyone. I'm in a state of fear because maybe I'm not sure if a client's going to resign, which changes my monthly revenue goals. I feel afraid. Is that true that they're not going to sign and I'm not going to get my monthly revenue goals? No, mm-hmm. it's not true. Even if they don't sign, I could still sign another client. So, wow, we stopped it right then and there. And right I there. to go all the way to the train of my dreams are lost. Yeah, for sure. I had a client, she walked in and I actually used to have, when I had clients in person, I had three chairs in my office and she came walking in and she was crying. And I said, what is going on? What happened? And I would have my clients do a check-in. So I'm saying this because I want to invite your listeners to actually see these three chairs and see about throughout the day, how often you're in that adult chair. So I said to her, why don't you do a chair check-in? She said, great. So she's crying and she's all upset. And I said, and she sat in her adult chair and she says, well, I'm really upset because I'm going to get fired. And I said, really, what happened? And she said, well, my boss or my comp, the company that I'm working for is doing a bunch of layoffs. I said, okay. And she's, and I said, so did you get a notice that said you're going to get laid off? No. Did your boss say you're going to get laid off? No. I said, then how do you know? She goes, well, the company's doing layoffs. I said, so is it fact and truth that you're going to get laid off? And she said, well, no, I, but I know I am. I said, do you know that a hundred percent? And she said, well, no. And I said, well, then get in your adolescent chair because you're checking in from the adult. And we only do fact and truth from the adult. She goes, fine. So she got in the adolescent chair and she said, well, this is what I think is going to happen. And she said, the company's doing layoffs. I was one of the last people to get hired. I was hired four months ago. And she said, so everyone that had been hired right after me has been let go or something like that. And I or something like that. And I said, okay, does that mean that you're going to get fired? She said, no, I guess not. I said, well, now let's get in your adult chair and let's talk about what's fact and truth. And we went through, I said, doesn't, didn't your boss say that he could not live without you? He thought you were amazing. And she said, well, yeah. And I said, didn't he say that you are his right arm? Well, yeah. Didn't he say next year, blah, 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 blah. He wants to give you this race. She goes, well, yes. I was like, okay, feel that energy. I'm not saying that you might not get laid off. Like, I, it's not like we live in fairy tale land. I said, hey, why don't you 
get a resume together, send it out if you want, but I wouldn't jump the gun. And I said, the other thing is you can go and ask your boss, Hey, am I going to get laid off? Is there a chance I'm going to get laid off? Go after the fact and truth is it change your life. It changes your life. This happened to me yesterday. Really? What happened? So every time one of my employees says they have, they want to talk to me about something Mm -hmm. immediately. Oh yeah. They're quitting. They hate working for me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to find someone else. Oh my God, I did this. You know, it's just always that. And Mm -hmm. every time I end up talking to them, I leave crying because I've created a company culture where my team can be vulnerable about Mm -hmm. their edges, their boundaries, what they want to work on. And they come to me a lot for mentorship on how to emotionally handle their career Mm. and their commitment to being here. But they also are very open about when the bandwidth is at bandwidth or when something's not right or when a strategy is not working for them. And every time before I hop into these calls... I go into that adolescent spiral and it's never the truth or the fact ever. And if you're listening to this and it's not business, this can happen when, you know, your boyfriend or girlfriend says, hey, we need to talk. It could be you want to move in together, you know, <laughs> it could be something amazing. So right. and I think this is a really great symbol for me and for others when our mind does go down the train of mm-hmm. spiraling catastrophic thoughts, we can just identify that we're in the adolescent chair and there's nothing wrong with that, but at least we know and have the self-awareness. Yeah. And ask yourself, what's fact and truth right here? Another part of this model is within this adolescent chair, you would ask me before what the ego is. So the ego is what comes in again around the age of six, but before age six, we feel like we're part of this oneness. We feel like we're part of not just our family, but this oneness in this in the great world that we live in, in the universe, et cetera. When the ego drops in, the ego comes in and says, you are an individual. You and I are not connected. Scout and I are not one person. There's Scout over there. Here's Michelle over here. And here's the rest of the world. But with that ego, it comes in and says, and you better protect yourself because the ego is based in fear. It fuels fear. So, and it says, and you better watch out because you better be okay. You better belong. You better make sure that everything's okay. So the ego is always feeding us these things. So what happens in the adolescent chair for almost 20 years that we're in it is that, so from six to then again, around the age of 26 is we learn from the, or the ego starts to fragment off and it forms parts. So think about yourself scout as a puzzle of 500 pieces, and there's 500 parts of who you are. So you might have a part of you that feels like it's the doubter. You might have a part of you that is, again, the inner child part. You have a part of you that's a people pleaser. We all have these parts. You might have a codependent part. Some people have a stronger codependent part than other people, but you get where I'm going. You might have a love addict part. You might, all these different parts start to rule and run our lives. And we don't know that they're running our lives until we have mindfulness and consciousness around them. So in business... Like you said, when we get emails from our employees and they say something like, I really need to talk or a boyfriend or whomever it might be, I need to talk immediately. There's a part that rises up and goes, oh shit, what did I do wrong? You know, I got to, I got to fix this thing. Right. So what part could that be? It could be the doubter. It could be the inner critic. I don't know. I'm asking you like, what part could that be? It's 
most likely, I mean, I have this incessant need, which is a big insecurity and weakness of mine for people to love all parts of me, to Mm -hmm. love working for me, to love listening to my podcast, to think I'm a good person. And I want to support them the best way I can in exchange for their validation and love of myself. So Mm -hmm. there's that that gets threatened. And then there is the survival part of me that gets threatened on a tactical level. Like, yeah, if this client leaves, what does that mean for the baseline health of my business? If an employee, God forbid, you guys are listening. I'm listening. I'm talking to you. Just kidding. God forbid they leave. <laughs> yeah. You know, then my survival point is hit. So those are the two things that that experience mm-hmm. triggers within me. Mm-hmm. So what you want to do in that beautiful. So you want to turn toward each part, don't do it at the same time. But when we are triggered in this way, we turn toward, instead of turning away, we turn, turn, go, wait a minute. We slow things down. This is what our healthy adult would do. Hold on a second. Which part is this? And we do parts work. Parts work is a big part of the adult chair model. So you ask yourself, who's here? Okay. It's my whatever part. Okay. Thank you. What is your purpose? And let the parts speak back to you. Some people get an image. Some people just get a color, like it's a green blob. Some people see themselves when they're three years old. It could be anything. And some people don't even see anything and that's okay. But the more you get to know that part from your adult to this part, the more it transforms and the less triggering it is. So you just let it know like, Hey, I'm just, no, it's okay. I'm here. I am this old, you know, this is who I am today. I'm actually an adult. Thank you so much, but we're all good. I've got this. These inner parts don't know that you are in charge. They don't know how old you are. They think you're like six years old. They have no idea. So when you say, wait a minute, I'm actually, however old you are, I've got this. And these parts can go, oh my God, really? They don't know us. They're stuck in this unconscious part of who we are. Joe Dispenza talks about this, by the way, the unconscious mind. They're stuck inside. They don't know us. So we are kind of, in a way, we're introducing ourselves to these parts the conscious part of us is introducing ourselves to these unconscious parts to wake them up, to let them know that I've got this. Oh my God. I used to be so triggered. I remember when I, like way back when in my twenties, I was someone that was like emotionally, like all over the place. And I started to do this work in my twenties. And I'd be like, wait, who's talking to me? Who is this? The more in touch I got with these parts, it was unbelievable to me how my mood started to stabilize, how everything just seemed clearer. And at the time I didn't have the adult chair way back when, but I realized I was learning to live in my adult chair, even in my twenties way back many, many years ago. Does that make sense? Like it's really, yeah. Turning toward and getting to know these, these parts. My mind is just wondering, and I, this just came into my head while you were speaking. Do you think that moving from your adolescent chair to your adult chair is kind of an ego death? Yes. It's an ego transformation. Yes. Because I know people associate that with like taking mushrooms, et cetera, but totally. Yes. I just realized that the work that I do. Yes. Sorry. My mind's in a total fucking trip. Now the work that I do. (laughs) I love it. Is to not conquer the ego, but see the ego and allow myself to be self-aware enough to see what is running the show here and then redirect it back to my truth. Yes. And it's acting despite of the ego's tantrum. It's understanding who's really in charge here, Mm -hmm. not necessarily suppressing or disciplining the ego necessarily, Mm -hmm. but 
when the ego comes up, which always is fear, it's always when the ego is really inflamed when I really believe I'm separate from everybody else. When thoughts are like, they don't understand Mm -hmm. this part about me. I'm like, oh, hello, ego there. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily about beating the ego and making the ego wrong. For me, it's just this complete understanding that it's over here having a dance, but I'm going to act from my heart. I'm going to act from truth. I'm going to act from truth. Yes, ma'am. This whole process what you're talking about, these are my words. I don't tell me if it lands on you. It's the, the process of enlightenment because what we're doing with the ego, the ego is not bad. The ego comes in. It's part of being human. It's part of what, what we agreed to as humans to come down here and, and live these lives. But the ego comes in in order to separate us, to make us feel separate. But the game of life, the game of enlightenment is to start remembering who we really are. So what you're talking about, these are my words is we're going into, we do a lot of work with triggers in in the adult chair. We go in and we grab that trigger, right? Like a people pleaser, or like, I'm not good enough, or I'm bad or shame, or I don't matter, whatever it might be. And that's part of the ego, right? It's It's this ego part. And I pull it out of the shadow, which is dark. And I put it into the light, which is consciousness. And then it transforms. See, I don't believe that we actually get rid of anything, but we transform it. We turn dark into light. And the way that we do that is by just looking at it and going, oh my gosh, I have this part of me that is, that feels like she doesn't matter. Everybody has that part. Everybody has shame. Everybody does. The question is, is what are you doing about it? Because if you want to change your life and not get triggered by those anymore, you have to look at them. And what I hear you saying is that you look at your stuff and you do it really well. So you're enlightening. Yeah. (laughs) I've never viewed so clearly this transformation in this way as an ego transformation. You can say ego death, ego transformation, enlightenment, consciousness, awakening. It's all, I believe, consciousness, enlightenment, and awakening is all understanding, looking at, and transforming your relationship to your ego, which can otherwise be said as the transition from the adolescent chair to the adult chair. Yes. Okay, Michelle, you are absolutely... incredible. I feel like I had a breakthrough this morning. If you saw me looking glassy-eyed, it's because I went to another world real quick in my own mind. (laughs) Welcome to your adult chair, my love. There you are. (laughs) I mean, also like the adult chair is so it's paradoxical because I feel as if the adult chair also in many ways invites more ego to the table in the sense that you have more responsibility and that brings you into the human 3D, quote unquote, which I hate those that conversation, but the human part of you, if that makes sense. So yeah. it's almost as if when you enter into adulthood, you have more responsibility or if you have a business, you have more responsibility and it's an even bigger call to work on that transition and be in your adult chair as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely is. We don't as humans, because we're not raised typically with parents or caregivers that teach us how to work with these parts. So instead we learn when we're little kids, like if we're crying, my uh, mother-in-law used to do with my kids, like my kids would have stumbled and they were bleeding and she'd be like, okay, hands up, you know, hands up, clap your hands. And I'm like, what? Give them a hug, you know, but she was not the most emotional person. I'm like, no, 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 we hug in this house, but we're not trained how to do that very, you know, all that well, I have to say, but we're definitely not trained how to turn toward whatever is creating pain. What you hear, and I I hear it all the time, people go, you need to come over for a glass of wine. 
you need a bottle of something. Why don't we go out and do this? Let's go do mushrooms. Let's go get high, whatever it might be. Let's go shop. You need to go shop because you need to forget about the fight you just had with so-and-so. It's like, no, I want to turn toward it. I want to figure out what the heck's going on with me. And the more we do that, the less we need these vices to numb us out and the more alive as humans we feel, the more adult we are, the more healthy we are, honestly. So the ego is not bad. We got to get to know these parts so we can heal and transform and live a more balanced life. We got to stop numbing ourselves out. That's the big thing. It's something I talk about all the time as well. So I just really quickly, before you tell everyone where they can find you, I want to recap some of the biggest takeaways for me. One, to walk towards your emotions and feel them and to get curious about why they're there yep. and not necessarily run away, but really understand that there is a layer beneath mm-hmm. them. And two, when you are in a heightened emotional state that feels uncomfortable, asking yourself, is this truth? Mm-hmm. Is this truth? Is this mm-hmm. truth? And then the third takeaway for me is that the transition from the adolescent chair to the adult chair is transforming your relationship to the ego and running your life from your heart consciousness versus your fear-based ego. Yes. Wow. Beautiful. Okay, Michelle. Well, you also, I am going to be on your podcast. So everybody go check that out as well. But can you tell everyone where to find you? Yeah, for sure. You can find me at theadultchair.com. There's, I have an, the adult chair podcast, which most people tell me it's like getting free therapy. So come check that out. And of course, I'm on Instagram at Michelle Shelfont and I am on Facebook as well. Beautiful. And we will have all those in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the Emotional Entrepreneur Podcast. And everyone, you can follow me on Instagram at Scout Sobel. I will see you next episode. I hope this episode has landed with you in the perfect timing that you need it. I hope that it gives you the courage to chase after your dreams and purpose. If you are so willing, I would be honored if you would text this episode to a friend, if you would rate the podcast five stars and write a review, and follow me on Instagram at Scout Sobel. Over there, you can find links to sign up for my newsletter, which is also in the show notes, and get involved in all of my offerings, from Scout's agency to OKSIS podcast to this podcast. If you're looking for a deeper dive of my work, you can find my debut book, The Emotional Entrepreneur, on Amazon. I am so appreciative you are here, and I will see you on the next episode.